Welcome to the 19th episode of the Front End Happy Hour. In this episode, we're joined by Darren Buckner, founder and CEO of WorkFrom, and Sarah Showers from LinkedIn. They will both be joining us in this episode to talk about the pros and cons of remote working. Darren and Sarah, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? It's awesome to be on the show. And so my background is in software. Uh, I've been a front-end developer for about 10 years uh, prior to WorkFrom. Still do front-end development uh, with WorkFrom, but uh, clearly I probably have a lot of other responsibilities now. As you mentioned, the CEO, so I see myself as being the uh, sort of chief evangelist, if you will. I'm the person who makes sure that we win, uh, and that's really my most most uh, concerted focus. I spend a lot of time uh, talking to people, making um, connections, partnerships, and generally getting work from in front of as many folks as I possibly can. Favorite happy hour beverage. So I, I I'd have to say it's either going to be scotch or gin tonic, and it's usually sapphire, uh, sapphire tonic or a scotch. And I'm, my preference is usually Highland or um, an Islay. So I am a UI engineer at LinkedIn. On a prior episode, you may have known me as Sarah Showers of Apple. That is no longer the case. How long have you been at LinkedIn now? Since June. So it's still relatively new, but um, so far, great experience. And soon Microsoft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apple to LinkedIn to Microsoft. <laughs> Favorite happy hour beverage currently. I'm on old fashions right now. I'm still trying to find the whiskey of my dreams. Old fashions are helping me get there. Right on. Uh, let's also go around the table and give a brief introduction of the episode's panelists. Augustus, you want to start? Yeah, sure. My name is Augustus Yoon. I'm a front end engineer at Evernote. My name is Jem Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. I'm Derek Showers, Senior Software Engineer at LinkedIn. I'm Brian Holt, and they have not forced me to work remotely from Netflix yet. You still have a desk there? <laughs> as far as I know. I forced you, huh? <laughs> Sarah. I'm Sarah, and I am also a UI engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that, if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we'll all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. So anytime we say the word Wi-Fi, we will all take a drink. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So to start off the episode, uh, I'd like to understand what is your experience been working remotely compared to a physical office? I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on that. I guess I can start. So I worked remotely for the past 10 days out of Salt Lake City, mostly just because I wanted to go back to Salt Lake City. Shout out to Utah. But I actually... Got more done. Uh, let me, let's rephrase that. I was very productive in time that I had in terms of I had a lot of productive time. I didn't get much done because my project is hard. <laughs> the being un- uninterrupted was really nice. Yeah, just being like the only person there working on that project was, I don't know, for me, ended up being really, really productive. I, I worked out of a co-working space called Impact Hub in downtown Salt Lake. Uh, so it was, it was fun to just do a change of scenery. I would highly suggest like a little hiatus for anyone that has a company that would allow that. So I think like one of the things that I've, I, I've only do it here and there, you know, like a work from home day or a work from coffee shop day, but mm-hmm. never actually done it full time. But I'm curious, like I, I've heard that some of the biggest challenges, and I think we're going to talk about some of the issues later, but like, it's just that natural conversation that you tend to have in an office environment. You know, you walk by somebody's desk and you're like, 
hey, what are you working on? You know, and then you kind of like get these like natural conversations that are really hard to do on means like Slack and, and whatever like team collaboration tool that you're using. So I'm just curious if you, if you had any. I mean, I, I think I've experienced that. I did about a year and a half working from home and it was great. Like I was working remotely. The agency was like on the other side of Canada. And so I worked for, yeah, the year and a half. There was like some benefits to it. Like you didn't have to wear pants. Like that is great. (laughs) Yeah. The not getting dressed part is actually a big benefit. It is a big benefit. It's pretty nice. Like you can even be talking on a Skype or hangout and you don't necessarily have to wearing pants. No one knows. I appreciate you wearing pants. I do wear wear pants now. Yeah. We call that the business top. Exactly. (laughs) I did find I'll agree with Brian. I was very productive. You don't get a lot of interruptions. You have really heads down time. There's no distractions, anything like that going on. I loved having my dog with me all the time. Like he was just like always come sit beside me while I was working. The no commute was great. But overall, I, f- I didn't like it. After a while, it felt very isolating. You're you're just by yourself. There's no one to talk to. All you're doing is talking to people over messengers and like or Slack, whatever it is. At that time, it was messenger. Yeah, I don't know. It felt like I wasn't able to have those good conversations with other engineers. And I didn't feel like I was growing. Uh, I felt like there's a lot of like when you're interacting with other engineers and being able to talk in person, I think there's a lot of value in that. Well, I think yeah. just to add in real quickly that's really a work from home problem right like mm-hmm. you, like for me i didn't really experience that quite as much because i was in a co-working space so like there was a yc y combinator startup right next to me that i was able to talk to their engineers and hang out i think that was my mistake is what i should have done instead of building a home office is i should have actually just paid for a cloud space or just find workspaces that are just outside of the home so get you out of the yeah i'd still have to put pants on but (laughs) i mean depends on what country you're in look I, I, i love this conversation already because i think you're highlighting a lot of the things that that should be highlighted so brian you're talking about being able to be in a space you wanted to be, but yet not have to walk away from work, right? You could still do it. So it allowed you, they had the affordance for you to be somewhere and still do what you want. So really craft your day, your life around work, or excuse me, your work around your life versus your life around work. And and Ryan, you were talking about, you know, I've got my dog with me. Yeah. Like I've got the 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 ability to to have the upside of not, you know, putting pants on. And so it's clear the upsides usually surface immediately. Like you see all those things. And what I think working remotely is, is really about is it's, it's the, the ability to craft your day in a way that's much more responsive to a lot, how a lot of us live, right? So it's, it's making those choices, being able to do that without having to time box what is supposed to be your productivity, what is supposed to be the time that you're being, you know, you're doing your job, so to speak. And so I, I work remotely, I'm a longtime remote worker, and uh, one of the things that I found is that it was really hard for me to not have the kind of 9 p.m. brainstorm where all of a sudden I got it, you know, and, and a lot of us, you know, all of us are, are uh, developers. And so you, you understand, like, sometimes you're working on this thing and then all of a sudden you get in the moment and you're not at work. You know, it happens sometimes outside. And so having the ability to go with that when I wanted to and not have to force it at 9 a.m. has been huge, you know. Uh, so it's really about, I think, the affordances that you have to craft your day 
in a responsive way to to how a lot of us live these days. Whenever you're productive, you just go to work. And and that's why the productivity bonuses are really they they come through, right? Because you see you're able to do it when it's it's on your own terms, you know, and and you can be productive at the times and the places that are best for you. You also talked to Ryan about uh, getting out of the house, and I think the variety is super key. You went to a co-working space. That's huge. Like you can get some of the community there. Uh, a lot of things we're working on with work from is being able to provide that community experience uh, from afar or in person. You know, those are the, those are the kind of things. And so it's still a lot. Of, it's kind of the Wild West in some way still. And so a lot of these things are being uh, discovered and worked out. But I love the liberties. I love the affordances. I love the fact that everybody at this table in that role could could create the the, the day that they want you know, that works for them. I think that's a really excellent point because I think like even if you have a flexible work schedule, which I think all of us in this room have somewhat of a flexible work schedule, but still, it's still like you have you have to be in the office, you know, usually like between that nine to five for meetings sure. or whatever, or like be available or whatever. Whereas, and I guess you do sometimes Absolutely. with remote work too, yeah, right? Because yeah. there's everyone. But I guess, I guess like the point I'm trying to make is that there are some times where I wish that, you know, while I'm sitting at my desk, like I'm just not productive, right? Yeah, I'm just going to go read stuff or, or you know, look at my screen and close my eyes and sleep. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but um, you end up working a lot more, right? Because you're, you're, you're working, you know, and, and maybe mm-hmm. being distracted for, let's say, 25% of your workday. And then you get home and, like, again, with the 9, 9 p.m. idea. That's the thing I found is that I was working, I was working 12 hours, you know. It, now, I wasn't productive for 12 hours, but I was working literally on the clock, so to speak, because I would, I would come home and then I would continue to work. You know, and so uh, it, it does it, it, when you have to time or when you're expected to time box your productivity, it, it just it creates some experiences that I think are not optimal uh, for getting the, the most productivity and really the, the balance and the happiness and the other things and like your dog is very important. You know, like it's 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 good for you to be around him or her, you know, more often, yeah. right? And you might be inspired by that when you go to when you go to Salt Lake City and you know a change of scenery and and just like the the air out, like that stuff can inspire you in a way that that might unblock you from something that you were you know working on. I mean, I think those things are really important, and so I, I think the um, the the variety, the flexibility, all those things are just certainly what I think should be fundamental too. To I really case. love the freedom of it, just like. It's kind of like when you get into an airport and you're in a completely new place and you have all of these possibilities like, where am I going to go during this like break? Can I go to this coffee shop down the street? Am I going to stay home and do laundry? Am I going to put pants on at all? Like, I love being able to work from an office when I feel like going to an office and talking to people. And also working from home when I feel like working Where from home. Where there's Wi-Fi? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cheers. Well, cheers. Uh, cheers. cheers. My experience in a former life, I um, I was a technical writer for Disney, and I worked from home on the East Coast, and I reported to a team actually in California. So I'm curious what other people's experiences have been with remote working and different time zones and how you kind of balance that, because meetings get scheduled outside of like your time-boxed work day, that kind of stuff. Even for me, I was in a different time zone. I kind of liked it because I was ahead. So I would get up and not be interrupted for like a good two, I think it was like two or three hours time difference. And so they were all waking up and I'm like ready for lunch. And so I was already ahead of the day. So I, I felt that was really impactful. I think sometimes we, I've even worked with people that are in Europe and we're in the US. And I think having the complete different shift in time, like we're 
they're going going to sleep when you're waking up is really kind of cool if you're especially if you're doing development if there's bugs or something they're like tackling them while you're sleeping and then you're tackling the other piece while they're sleeping it's kind of cool in that way too yeah that's that's very interesting i think it's a it's it's certainly a business decision to be able to have teams located in in different time zones as well right like that's that's good for business i mean so having somebody like you were saying ahead of ahead of others uh, gives you coverage in a very unique way there are there are real challenges having crossover when people are on such different time zones when it's a 10 hour or a 12 you know that that's that's really tough and and typically somebody's kind of finishing their day and somebody's starting their day and that can create some interesting challenges as well because you know you're different in the beginning than you are at the end of your day at the time but i think so one of the things that we've done uh, and that i've done with several teams where i've worked this way is just make sure that you have some sort of common cross hour uh, crossover you know some some time where there is you generally know that that everybody will be mostly available you know if you need them so that you don't have that lag of a whole day in between or what feels like a whole day in between um you know you, you put an you put a question out there and you don't get an answer for you know another 12 hours kind of thing i feel like that's the toughest part is like if i have like a blocking problem but i'm working with someone in berlin yeah. right like either they have to get up or i have to get up early like there are certain problems that you just need cooperation with and i feel like that's that can be a real problem. Yeah, the real-time, real-time collaboration can can be a challenge with uh, with remote work. It's very interesting that, uh, that several of us have also mentioned uh, in various ways the interruptions that happen in office, uh, and and very much for a lot of us the experience of working around other people is kind of this interruption, you know, which kind of has a negative connotation. Like I could I could be doing something, but I'm being interrupted. That's a phenomenon that happens in other ways when you're working remotely. I see it a lot now with uh, the uh, acceleration of things like Slack, you know, like now the interruptions are just different. They're still there in some ways. You can ignore them, you know, to a certain degree. It's harder to ignore somebody when they're standing over your shoulder asking a question versus uh, pinging you on Slack. But the flybys or the, yeah, yeah. those are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Managers that do flybys. Managers do that all those the, the time. Worst, the they? worst. <laughs> it's worse than losing Wi-Fi. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I have a habit of when I want to work remote, I take on like a freelance project and it's usually a really self-contained project where I can design and develop everything myself and it usually doesn't push me that much technically, but it's a pretty like easy job and it's obviously good money and I could work at home, but I feel like it's harder when you have to work with a team versus when you're just kind of reporting to a client. I worked on a, a project last year, again, completely by coastal The client and the designer were in Philadelphia. I was out here and, you know, he was winding up his business day and creating a new product for a new business. I was building their website and he always wanted the meetings to be during my day and, well, I there became a conflict of interest then because I can't stop my paid job to work on a freelance project. So there was communication issues. I would be getting home and it's nine o'clock there and he wants to have a meeting and discuss like next steps. So I think I've had more challenges, I guess, with, with the whole meetings and things, both with that case and with Old World Sarah, the technical writer being on a different coast to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, this might just be me, but I personally hate work. Well, I, I don't think I could work remotely. Um, I'm one of those people who, like, if I need to be in a, an environment where I see people working and that makes me more productive, if I, like, work at home, I just see so many distractions. I see my 
gaming PC, which I worked on with my friend on to build. I see my giant TV and stuff. Like, I personally, like, can't work without interaction. Like, I would probably need to work from a coffee shop. Also, like, one of the things that I get kind of scared of, like, when I was graduating from college, I was thinking about working, taking a remote job. I think one of the things that was kind of scary for me was kind of career growth and, like, being able to, like, make like make a network and, like, meet people and make connections. Because I feel that's, like, a huge barrier for people who work remotely. Like, they don't get that same interaction aspect. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. Well, I've got tons. I, I think, um, <laughs> yeah. not not surprisingly, right? Um, so, you know, look, we've, we've spent the better part of 150 years creating in-office norms. And so we, there are a lot of things that have come out of working in a single place as a group. Uh, initially, the office became very popular because the cost of exchanging information was quite high. So you wanted people next to each other. Right? Now technology, in, in, in our world right now, technology has really uh, removed the cost of information. Information exchange is almost instant. So you don't need to be next to each other anymore in those ways. But what came along with being near others was a whole social layer that, that evolved out of that. Happy hours came from the fact that you were going to be ending work day collectively at a certain time. The whole notion of a rush hour didn't exist when you didn't have to rush to or from somewhere. So there's a lot of infrastructure, there's a lot of cultural norms that have come out of the in-office experience. And and I think what we're what we are all exploring here today is those norms aren't well formed yet for uh, what is this new way of working? And we call it remote working and telecommuting. And all these, there's all these different labels. I tend to think it's really just uh, professionals, knowledge workers. You know, ultimately, your work can, because of technology in many ways, because of how ubiquitous Wi-Fi is becoming. Cheers. Uh, cheers. cheers. Uh, and, and other technologies. You can, and therefore many of us will, be able to work from anywhere. Right? And so when I think about remote work, there's certainly a... I think a well-defined, it is your it is your HR sort of label that you are not in office uh, or that you're out of office often. But for many of us, it's it's also just the fact that our work can can go with us. And if we are the type that will engage, then those boundaries are are uh, not well formed. The norms are not well formed, but they're they're coming, you know. And and we're talking about a lot of those tonight. That the social the social impact uh, is real. Uh, going to a coffee shop is what that's why any coffee shop you we, we walk around here and you know we'll see people out there work. it's because they're getting some of that social uh, influence not necessarily talking to folks not necessarily but know, being around people i think it, it does pay know, like that's a changes, big thing right? and in the variety again i'll keep coming back to that but the variety is key being able to have that day at home where maybe uh you just need that focus that's nobody's around uh but then the next day or you know several days later being able to be around the more social of things, the buzz, you know, then maybe being able to travel a little bit, get get away from some of the things, and feel productive in that effort. You know, it's 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 just a variety. I think I think trying to box this into its office or not office is uh, is is fundamentally flawed. You know, that's it's it's really are we becoming a much more distributed, a much more mobile uh, person? Absolutely. Right. And is information and our ability to do things much more portable? Yep. So what will come out of that is is these kinds of things. Right. And so. So I want to touch on one thing. You, you'd mentioned technology and I think technology has gotten better. We have great tools. We have Slack. Hangouts, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> is the technology good enough? 
I sometimes struggle. I don't think we're quite there yet to be very remote. And I, I'm interested in everyone's thoughts on that. I think technology's pretty good so far, but specifically at Netflix, we have an amazing like video conference system and it's still not great. It's not the same as someone being in the room and we haven't we haven't reached that technology point yet. We're like, oh yeah, I feel like you're there, you're there. I don't know if it's the technology, but I think it's maybe the way we interact with the technology sometimes. Like so a, a good example of this is so at LinkedIn we also have uh, especially in our new off- newer offices, we also have every room is set up for video conferencing. And we tried to do um, a, a retrospective once. And, you know, with a retrospective, you have like people, we kind of split up and we had like people talk about, you know, the, the, the issues with the project that was just launched or whatever. And like we did it on these like flip chart things, like kind of everyone was in the groups. And like we had two people on video conference and we realized that there's like really no way for them to participate because like, you know, it's like yeah it's just and we didn't really think about it and like probably could have found a way if that would have been if we would have thought about that before like entering the retrospective but it was just kind of like like we were kind of like okay well you guys can discuss on slack and then kind of send your list and it was just like awkward and eventually we just kind of gave up on the fact that (laughs) we're just like yeah you can get back to us later so i was in a meeting yesterday actually with a bunch of people kind of brainstorming and there was one person that was remote and we had a screen kind of like the one where it's actually in this room it's you know a big screen and there's eye tracking cameras and it's kind of at eye level to the table so it's kind of like I feel like that format actually worked really well with them being able to be I mean they're like a whole side of the room like you can't avoid them maybe maybe if you had more than one person it might be an issue but I actually found it worked really well for us Wait, why do you have eye tracking cameras? They're creepy. Like, I think they're sound tracking, but no. yeah, I think no, they are eye tracking. They're eye tracking. Yeah, they move. Um, yep, like when there's a people yeah. around the table, it focuses on the person that's currently speaking. So the person that's remote is like talking to you. It's weird to get used to. It's really. <laughs> yeah, I think the technology is it's certainly good enough. Uh, there's a real skill behind working. Like the the people have to also. F- find ways to work more effectively when they are remote. So there's not, um, it's not one of those things where if you're just in an office, you just, you leave and all of a sudden you're just, it's like the same skill set. Like you do have to, communication is at the utmost uh, importance, right? And it's a different kind of communication because it's not a lot of times real time. It's, you, you lose the context of being able to, you know, look at you in the eye or, or see if your body language is telling you something that, you know, your message isn't. Those are skills that you have to, you, that you really have to learn if you're not well-versed in it already. And so... The technology helps. It helps to augment those things. Um, I think the fact that we are largely connected in enough ways, uh, most of our business tasks, you know, are, that makes it possible. But, but it's still an art. Like there's still skills that need to be, you know, that need to be to be learned and and uh, acquired and then ultimately honed in. So our team is entirely remote, even though we're often in the same area, same city, or even in the same neighborhood. Uh, we still are are largely uh, apart communication is it's like something that we have to continue to work on constantly uh, especially as you bring new folks into you know into the system you got to figure out you know what are the nuances you know you, i can't necessarily hear or see you at times in the ways that would have made it easier if we were in the same room and so uh, so there's there is just i think there's a there's an onus on the person to ultimately uh, figure out how to work well in that in that environment as well yeah it's interesting about the new people too because it's like even in my experience anyway, even joining a new team, 
at a physical location at an office is hard sometimes, right? Like you, sure. it's like, you know, you kind of sit next to somebody and you're still kind of like the outsider because, you know, people don't it, know you socially and th- you don't know the Wi-Fi password yet. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Get on day one. So since I uh, started at LinkedIn, the UI engineers on my team all live in San Francisco, as do I, but I have other commitments that require me to be at North Sunnyvale office. And so ramping up, when the rest of my team isn't always in the same office space has actually been a challenge. It's really nice to be able to turn around and just ask a question to somebody. And so when they're not there, being able to verbalize what I'm trying to figure out and get a solution over Slack isn't always a great solution to the point where I now actually work where they work just because it makes my life easier. And so the learning part of it as you do join a new team that's been a challenge for me that not truly remotely, but we're working, you know, miles apart, different cities in the Bay. Um, It's been difficult. And so I'm wondering what other experiences people have had with that or if anyone has had to. So playing off of what Sarah was saying, I think um, especially when there's only one or two people on your team remote and the rest are in one place, the people that are in one place need to be like briefed on how to deal with this. I um I worked on a project where I was the only one remote and I found that there were a ton of conversations that were happening without meetings, casually without me. And every time we finally hopped on a camera and started talking, I was miles behind and I wasn't being included in the actual brainstorming. And if the group had like actually set up meetings for all these things instead of just chatting about it at the watering hole or whatever. Do you think that's more on them though i actually think it's more on you to try and find be creative you're the one or two people you're out of the norm people to talk to you though if they're not no but i I do think that it's a little more if there's only two people in the office and there's like 10 people remote i kind of feel like those two people have to figure out a way to work with the Uh, remote people i disagree with that i think that they're gonna have conversations right yeah and if they don't end up happening on slack and they just end up happening around their desks then you have no idea that those conversations are happening but I think this is I think this is maybe one of the, and this is what I was talking about earlier. I think this is maybe one of the things you don't get with remote work is, you know, we all especially as engineers all hate the the interruption, right? Like mm-hmm. that you're working on something and somebody comes over and grabs you, but how many times has that conversation actually turned into something very meaningful? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, right? Like at least for me, it's just like at first I'm just like I do not want to have this conversation. I have to get this done by the end of the day and this is like very important, but as after I after I get over that get over that (laughs) Um, it usually turns into a very meaningful conversation it's usually just like somebody's come over they've had a quick thought and yeah, they could have that conversation on Slack, but it's it's just not as natural. And maybe, and maybe that comes from being in an office environment. And and you know, maybe if you're in the mindset of not in an office environment, so that happens you, differently. But it's Brian, just those organic conversations. That if you and Brian were having that conversation, and Sarah's remote, how do you get her in that conversation? Like, I agree, it's hard for her to like be like, oh, Brian and uh, Derek are talking. But I just feel well, like it kind of goes it both ways. Because I think what would happen in a real world situation is somebody would say oh we should get we should get sarah i'm just using an example but we should get sarah involved in this conversation on slack and then we would just be like no it's just a quick thought like never mind you know like i i, I think we'd but again that that is probably a factor of 
95% of people being in an office and 5% of people being remote. If, if everyone in that company yeah. were remote, that probably would happen differently. But I think that's it yeah. too, is I was thinking it was more like the, she's like, if it's two people that are separate, that's like not the norm. And so it's, they're not necessarily thinking of that person. So I think if you are remote, you have to try and be creative and like share, like, I don't know how to do it exactly, but try and go out of your way to like, get yourself in those conversations yeah like I've, I've had this situation just recently actually where where a co-worker of mine we were working on the same project and he was in utah and utah <laughs> and uh and so like i would have a lot of conversations kind of on his behalf and you know i would always like go back and like kind of recap the conversations with him but it was still different in that like he wasn't like part of the maybe like just creative thinking and the organic conversations. I mean, why can't we have it all? So I, you know, I'm maybe I'm an idealist, but I think that so a part of what's happening, uh, what part of what we're talking about is, is a, a really uh, specific dynamic where there are a majority of folks, or at least a plurality of folks, in an, in a space, and then others who are not, and that 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 dichotomy creates some interesting dynamics. Always that creates more challenges than if, a, for instance, a company was entirely or a team was entirely remote, or if a team was entirely in one place, or you know. Uh, so so those are things that are still being figured out, and it's and I think it, it's part of. Uh, that company's culture, part of their process. I think the onus is on all the. F- so we're a team, right? Yeah. Uh, we should we should be a team. So that means that Sarah's input is just as important as Jack's input. Um, and if we are valuing Sarah's input like we should, then we are gonna we're gonna go we are gonna go we're gonna do what it takes to get that input, right? And we're gonna make sure that we mitigate some of these things that might run fast because we happen to be co-located that, that aren't to her benefit, right? So we're gonna make sure that we're intentional in bringing her in in certain ways. And we can build that into our process. We can build it into our culture, and it can work very well. There are a lot of companies who are entirely remote, and more and more so. And those companies aren't having these same problems. Now, what they, what they are challenged with is how do we get people into the same place occasionally so that some of the synergies that happen in a room that can happen from afar are still there, still part of what we're doing. So you see uh, companies who are uh, figuring out how to get people into the same space periodically. And for extended period of time where a lot of that stuff really can happen, the camaraderie and the team building, all those things are harder. Uh, and it just sort of goes back to, to my earlier point where I think we're just still so new in the, in the norms that we're creating around this that, you know, we're figuring it out in real time and we're all part of it, you know. But it's working. Uh, the, the, the benefits, I think, are, are clear and are important. Uh, the downsides are also very clear and important. And so we're starting to figure out, okay, how do we – how do we make it all work? How do we reconcile it all? One thing I've noticed with companies that, you know, have multiple offices or are completely distributed is that rather than getting people together in the same place to work, they more focus on getting people, everyone together as a retreat and as like a team building exercise. Like uh, Mozilla rents out Disney World, like Adobe does retreats, like GitHub does it, everybody does it. And it's more about creating a culture than it is about getting work done. I fully agree with that. I think, and you've made that point as well, that working remotely, it's success or failure depends almost entirely on the culture of the company. Cool. GitHub yeah. is 75% remote and they, I mean, it's an amazing company, but Netflix does not do remote engineering at all because we feel that's not what our culture would, you wouldn't get the culture if you were a remote engineer. And I, I think that's true in all the instances I've had working with remote engineers, it's a lot of the onus is on me and I have to understand that like culturally I need to explain like our thought process how we came to this because 
everybody's right. We, we have those conversations like, hey, Augustus, you know, we want to do that thing. And it's on us to communicate that back to the remote workers. But again, that's cultural, though. That's on me. There's no manager saying, hey, make sure you loop everybody in. It's, you have to build that in the culture. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's deliberate, too, right? Like you, you're deliberately including people. You're deliberate, like you're deliberately building into that culture. Otherwise, it doesn't work, I feel like. Yeah, and I want to challenge to a certain degree that kind of that that's not always a great thing to, to have uh, part of your culture where there's a sort of the just, hey, when I'm, when I'm feeling I want to just reach out and talk about something that I, I think it leads to those interruptions that we talked about, right? And so I, I think that being intentional, being deliberate is, is not a bad thing in this case. Like really thinking about, okay, what is it that's coming here? And if we can capture it in a way that can then persist, it's going to be important in a lot of ways, not just for the remote employees, but the fact that, you know, that persistence allows everybody on the team who's, who might be in the same building, you know, who just also weren't part of that conversation, right? So it's not, I don't think it's a, the barriers are real, physical and otherwise, but I think if we if we continue to think about them as being this barrier, then it, then we're going to get siloed in, in some of these things. And uh, I think the culture is very important. You know, I look a lot of, at the the benefits of retention of folks, uh, the happiness of folks, the health of folks, when they're able to to really craft, you know, their experience a bit more, be more flexible. It doesn't have to be entirely remote, but, you know, more flexibility. That's a big thing. You know, that's something you should want in your culture. Life happens. Life happens for a lot of people. You should want to support that. You should be able to to move around as they need to and still be a contributing member of the team. Uh, trying to, I think, to, to constrain that is, I, I, in some ways, fundamentally a problem, right? I mean, we really want... We believe in our people. We've hired folks for a reason. Like they're there. We're like we run. We want all of them in, in in the most complete fashion. And so we should be much more, I think, responsive to their ability to contribute in all ways. So. I'm interested too in remote employees being paid. So I think of it is like someone working in like Silicon Valley. It's very expensive to live here. The wages are better. But if you're you have someone living maybe in Utah, Brian. Like if you're living in Utah and you're working remotely there. How should your pay reflect that? Should it be the same as like if you're working for a company located in California, should be you be paid for the same as the employees that are at the office or should it be different? I feel like it should be tied to the cost of Wi-Fi. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> I'm not a fan of remote work. That's just not my personality type. I, the face-to-face interaction to me can't be discounted. Some people can do it. Just like some people can't work in an open office. Some people can. It's just, you know, different, uh, different strokes, different folks. But... I think remote workers should be paid the same as people in the office because I, as everybody knows from the Silicon Valley episode, I'm not a fan of like the insane rents here and thus the insane salaries. I, like if someone's worth something, just pay them that wherever they live in the world. And like hopefully over time we just kind of equalize out rather than this cluster of high salaries and then, but some talented engineer in uh, Des Moines doesn't get paid as much as me because they happen to live in Des Moines. Well, they're delivering the same work too, right? Exactly. Like right. I think yeah. that's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not value yeah. that you're in the office. It's value on the work yeah. that's yeah. actually being delivered. Are we valuing your choice of how you live and your lifestyle or is it, you know, and therefore our ability to help compensate for that or are we valuing the, the input the and the output, you know, that But you isn't have? your salary, uh, sorry, I know you were just, oh, but no, no. just re- isn't your salary... I feel like your salary is based on the cost of living, right? So like just like there's you you can live a lot better in Utah making a Silicon Valley salary Absolutely. than you can, you know, making a good salary in Utah at a, at a and I think that's basically because it's based on the cost of living. It's not it's and and I think if you're working for a Silicon Valley company, they just don't know any better. 
I mean, I'm making. I'm. I guess I'm like making. You mean they don't? More, but it's like they know what they're paying. It's but. not that they don't know any better. It's just that like you're 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 already making this salary, and this is what they'd pay an engineer. And it's not necessarily because it's it's like the talent of that engineer. It's just because that's what they would pay an engineer with that talent in San Francisco when rent costs you this and and food costs you this, and and it seems actually a little bit unfair, somewhat, if an engineer in Utah is making the same salary as I am and able to. That's an interesting part. I think if, if so, it depends on sort of which way we're looking at this. If, if, if somebody is living in an area that is uh, disproportionately more expensive to live in than maybe others, are we now re, uh, sort of adjusting for their experience and ultimately then raising the salary for others? Because the person who's in San Francisco or wherever it is, it's very high cost of living, now is setting the standard. Right. And so as a business owner, you know, I think about this a lot, um, you know, costs of, of running a business are very real. It's like, this is how you survive. You know, uh, you want to have the best people. And of course, you want to be able to support those people. And the way you do that is through giving them money. And it's, it's huge. You know, that's how you have to do it. But, you know, should if we are paying an engineer or a, a marketer or anybody who's working for us in a uh, in an area where it's it's expensive to live, does that now raise the average for everybody else? Uh, that's that's not how we often look at it. What we often look at it is you are living in a place that is not as expensive to live, so we should lower potentially lower your salary or maybe not pay you as much. And it's because I think in, in business we have a mindset of saving money, cost cutting, you know, that kind of thing. At the end of the day, I, I agree pragmatically with Derek that if you give me 100K in Utah, I live it like a king. If you give me 100K here in San Francisco, I rot and die. To another point, though, if you were if you were to take a job in Utah at like some agency or whatever, right, and you were to say, okay, I'm going to move out to San Francisco, and I want a cost of living right. adjustment. Oh, yeah. Do you? And they had no offices in San Francisco. Let's cause let's make you know oranges for oranges. Would you think that they would pay you the the adjustment? Yeah, I mean, this is a, obviously the <laughs> just, ad absurdum example, right? I guess, but it's like I mean, everyone goes from Silicon Valley to other, or, or not Silicon Valley, but like uh, you know, higher paid places to. to Places that that the average salary isn't as high, but the other way around, I think that it would be. Yeah, and the co- well, that company's not going to pay you more. They may like try and bump you up a bit, but you're leaving where we're located. They're not going to pay you. More. I actually did this. Like, raise your hand if you did this. Brian's raising his hand. Uh, yeah, but that the company got you to move though. That wasn't you didn't say, hey, I'm going to move where you don't have offices. Right. The company moved. Yeah, they endorsed it. Right? Yeah. yeah no. So that's a little bit different because it, like, it is a little bit different. So I think it's a bit idealistic to think about a job based on the value that you're outputting because I mean that's I mean if you really think about it there are so many things that are actually affecting our salaries and it's not value it's the market it's what people are getting paid right now for this job how much demand and supply is there it's not about what you put out on a daily basis and I think that working at it like that is kind of I mean, it's not going to really help anybody. I was talking to somebody who was looking at opportunities at Mozilla, and Mozilla has pay tiers, which I thought was really interesting. They have a tier for the Bay Area, and then there's one for New York, Boston, Portland, whatever, um, big cities, and then there's one for everybody else. And everybody gets the same quality of living, but um, they're all on a tier that's right for them. And I mean... This person was really happy with the number they were given in their area. I mean, I, if that works, go for it. I like that. That, a lot. that is actually a very good I think way that's to do more it. More about paying people for what they're worth than I agree. Because it's like I paid, you know, I pay like 
$4,500 for rent out here. I paid $1,300 for rent in Philadelphia. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge difference in, in, in rent that, that if I were paid, you know, the, the, the same salary in Philadelphia, I would, I would live so much better. And it's not because I'm better at what I do. I'm the same person. But you would live in Philadelphia, so that's... That's well, true. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard. You're paying for quality of life. Like, that's a trade-off. Don't hate on Philadelphia. <laughs> salary should match the quality of life across the board. But what I think is hard is just... And we, can, we can move on. But I, I think what's hard is that when you go remote from... At least this is what happens at LinkedIn. Is when you go remote after you've worked here, it's really hard for a company to say, okay, you're going to make less money now. And yeah, yeah. That, that's and tough too. Just, that's really I hard. I don't think it happens and maybe it should. Yeah. I actually think it should, but you know, you, oh, you've worked here for a couple of years. Like you get the privilege to kind of like, which is fine, but like, you know, and you're not, and then I think it would be an awkward conversation. I think say, it'd be fine to, to be totally honest, <laughs> right? Like you, you get to move somewhere else. Like I'm, and particularly I'm picturing moving from San Francisco to somewhere else. It's like, yeah, you're going to pay me like 20% less, less, but I'm going to live like 50 times greater. So it, it's cool. And is the Wi-Fi cheaper? I think so. <laughs> Cheers. Uh. Last question for the episode, I think could be an interesting one since we've kind of talked the pros and cons of remote working. If given the choice, not necessarily location or anything or pay, let's leave that off the table. If you had the choice, would you work remote or work in an office? 100% remote for me. 100% remote for you? Absolutely. I'd like the freedom to choose. Both. The choice is most important. <laughs> choice is good. I, I don't disagree. I choose neither. I wouldn't want to be forced to necessarily work remote, but personally, I'm much better when I have the choice to work when and where and how I want. It's just I know that about myself. It's I play to my strengths, and that's one of my strengths. So, so if you were at a company and you could work from home or work from a coffee shop, go into the office some days and just be flexible that way, that's like the ideal. In fact, I'd like to do that. I'd like to go and, and be where I need to be based on what I feel like I, I need to at that moment. You know, that would be, yeah, that's idea. You know what I would love if this just occurred to me? Uh, for one, I'm an office person. I, I like to look someone in the face and just kind of understand what they're all about. But what I would love is for a company to be like, hey, take two weeks, work remotely from like Costa Rica or something like that. Something where it's like, you're still working, but you're definitely in a different mindset. Uh, and we currently do that now where it's like, go take vacation, but I wouldn't mind a company just like, no, go work remotely, get some empathy for the people in another country, but also take it easy, but keep doing your job. And it, like, it builds up that culture of remote working, but also just helps you think differently about problems. You know what is interesting? I wouldn't call it necessarily remote work, but Evernote years ago used to actually encourage employees once a year to go work at one of the other offices, whether it be in like... I think, what was it, like yeah. Tokyo? There's like different places around the world or Zurich, Switzerland. That's amazing. And so you would go and as long as you were there for a few weeks, uh, like it had to be, I think, at least two or three weeks that you were gone. You'd go work in that office. They would pay for the flights. They would pay for your stay and everything like that. And I thought that was an interesting way. It's like you're interacting with other people in the other offices, but you're also getting a change of space. I thought that was that's kind of cool. It's not really working remote. It, it kind of is from your local office, but you're now working with another I think that's team. That's a great idea. First of all, it encourages you to work remote, or it helps you like understand if remote work is for you. But also, it 
it, it helps you understand the needs of, of uh, users in other parts of the world, which is amazing. Um, you get to experience cultures. Like, I don't think there's any bad of that other than the expense, but I think the expense is paid. It's so minimal. Like, I think it's like, even at Netflix, we do a lot of research where we'll send people to India or like the, when I first started there, I went to like Paris and London and it, you're doing research there and you're able to grasp some of the culture there that you just can't, you can read about, but it's not the same. It's like, you actually have to be there and experience that. So yeah, I think I like Jem's suggestion, actually. That's probably the best best of all worlds. Well, and, and you can probably get most companies that have unlimited PTO to, to let you go places. They probably won't maybe pay for your flights or accommodations, but like Netflix picked up the bill for my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Cheers. But I picked up the bill for like my co-working space and a bunch of other stuff like that. So you probably can kind of like halfway do that. Like I just worked during the week from Salt Lake and it was... Just fine. And I think when we're talking about remote work or flexible work or all of those things, it, it, we're really talking about how can we set people up to be the most successful that they possibly can be. And knowing that uh, most things in life are hard to just say they all happen at this place at this time in these ways. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, a future in where the labels sort of start to melt away. And it really is just about how do we support people, you know, as sort of a base level. You know, and with work from we, my goal, my aspiration, my vision is that we create really a bedrock of support and opportunity for people to just do their best work. And certainly right now that's we're focused on helping people do their best work when they are outside of an office because the office is the norm for most. And it is, you know, it's it's, it's something that is very well developed, but out, but outside of it is kind of the Wild West. So but I just think that. Ultimately, we got to get to a point where people are able to be supported and 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 how they can be set up for the best success possible. All things rise with that. Business is better. People are better. You know, it's it's just we're we're going to be happier, healthier. That's I feel like where we're headed with a lot of this stuff. So a lot of these conversations we're having, a lot of the consternation that we're feeling is how is us getting to that place where we're just being supported and doing our best work, whatever that means and whatever that label you know, ultimately. Yes. I think we should change it from working remotely to just working flexible. Flexible working, that's that's brilliant because the I, I worked for a company and they were they were kind of old school and this is a very pervasive thought that butts and seats equivalent to productivity and that is 100% not true. Like, Ryan knows I do my best work at probably like 2 in the morning watching TV. Don't babysit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You hired me as a fully formed adult. Trust me to get my work done when I want. Yeah, you didn't hire to watch me. You hired me for hopefully what I can. I don't have time to watch Jim. That's like too much work. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping up the episode, what do we have for pick? Augustus, what do you have? Oh, yeah. Sure. So um, I know I'm actually like Jem. I personally need that face-to-face -face interaction. Um, but I, I do respect that some people like working remotely and they work better working remotely. Uh, there's this TED Talk for one of my picks, which is um, called Why Work Doesn't Happen at Work. And this guy basically kind of talks about how there's so many distractions in the office. And it's a really, really awesome t talk. So I highly recommend checking that out. And the other pick I have is the Android 404 page. They, like, made a game. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's freaking cool. You should play it. It's a very big time waster. So if you didn't find your page, at least you found something else that will take up your time. So My picks are... First one is from Sarah Drasner, who we all know and love. She wrote a blog post on style maintenance in CSS, which is great read. And she talks about functional and object-oriented programming and applies that to CSS, which is fantastic, fantastic way of thinking. And my next pick is Grim Dawn. I've been playing that. It's an action RPG, and it's a lot of fun. It's just kind of uh, silly, 
hack and slash kind of blow things up. But, you know, we all need a break time to time. Sarah, what do you have for us? So Derek and I have been using and contributing to work from for, I would say, a good 18 months now. We work remotely during the weekends around the city on various projects, work-related or personal projects. So I have a couple of really good spots uh, here in San Francisco. So Workshop Cafe is a really awesome spot. Um, It's in the financial district. They give you um, your first few hours for free. So you can go and check it out, and then they have like an hourly. Wait, what's free? Wi-Fi. The internet. (laughs) (laughs) But they have food, coffee, booze, um, which we all like here. Um, The other spot we went to this weekend, which I really, really like, is it's technically in the Mission. It's kind of near Petrara Hill. It's called Coffee Bar, but it was a really nice space. And one of the things you get with Work From is they ask you to contribute as you find new spots and it's number of outlets. Wi-Fi, please. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> what food options, what drink options. So it's more than just like searching for workspaces. You can really find kind of what's important to you. And I do ask you to give back to that community because it's users that use it regularly. Uh, they don't care. It, it's, <laughs> it's an, it is an awesome tool. So yeah, go work from. Work from is awesome. Thanks, Darren. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Derek, what do you have for us? First of all, I got to give an honorable mention to Work From as well because I met Darren through Work From. Uh, I, I, I didn't know him at all and found Work From because I was using Yelp to find places to work around San Francisco and like couldn't find anything through Yelp because like, what is like, I'm going to go there. I don't know if they even have Wi Fi or whatever. And I emailed, I emailed Darren and I said, this thing is awesome. I love your product, and that's actually how we connected. So I, I, I think it's a truly amazing product. So check, definitely check it out. But anyway, my two actual picks are this article that was written by a friend of mine who who works for LinkedIn, and he just recently went remote. Uh, he works in Amarillo or Amarillo. I don't know how you pronounce it. Texas. Amarillo. Is it Amarillo? He wrote this really good um, article on which we'll link to in the picks, but on um, going remote and kind of like the problems, not problems, but like issues and just stuff he had to overcome with going remote. So it was a really good piece. Uh, He actually just wrote it this week. I just found out about today. Uh, I pinged him. I was like, man, I've been talking about um, remote work tonight. Did he he post it on LinkedIn Pulse? So no one read it? It's not called Pulse anymore. It's a LinkedIn (laughs) publisher. You're so funny, Brian. Pulse is done. Okay, anyway. And my other pick is um, something new that Yelp introduced that I really like. And uh, usually they introduce features half-ass, and this is actually one of them because they don't have it on web. They only have it on native um, clients. But no, no, it's it's called it's called Yelp Collections. So you can actually take your bookmarks and organize them into collections. And then you can take your collections and get a map view of that collection. So it's really cool. I actually just used it for, um, not that I don't use work from, but I just used it for coffee shops that I like around the city. But like you can use it for like favorite burger places or whatever and then you can share that collection with others and it's a really cool feature awesome brian what do you have uh my first one is a music pick since i seem to be the only one this week uh it's the band halos h-a-e-l-o uh they're a london kind of synth pop group which i discovered literally today it's pretty great and then my next two picks are minnesota themed (laughs) first one is track js which is for tracking errors that you have on the client and in various other capacities. 
Uh, it's run by the fantastic Todd Gardner, who has offered to sponsor us multiple times. I just wanted to give him a shot, a shout out. How much did he pay you to say that? Non-disclosed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. The third one is also self-serving, which is I'm giving another front-end masters, and, and so is Jem for that matter. Uh, so check us out on front-end masters coming up. So you're sooner than I am, right? Uh, November 11th. Yeah, so. I was at Jem's workshop the first time he gave it, and it was super good, so definitely check it out. Now it's going to be on front-end masters. Immortalized forever. Yeah. Darren, what do you have for us? Yeah, so I have to plug some things that I think are super appropriate. So definitely uh, I want to plug both Sarah and Derek because what they what they just uh, told you I think is is the core of what we are doing at Workfront, which is helping each other uh, work better in this way. Since it is still such a such an early thing for a lot of us, it is something that is that is still developing. The domain knowledge that we all have is super super key. And I think that the one has the power to affect the many. And, and, and certainly the case for a long time. So uh, your support over the last 18 months has been um, huge for us and, and certainly something that is not lost on us. Uh, the, second, the second pick that I'd have is for Front and Happy Hour because this is amazing. <laughs> but no, this is amazing. Like, you're certainly all very amazing people. I had high expectations and you've um, uh, certainly just blown those out of the water. Uh, now I'm just bu- now I'm now I'm bummed that I'm uh, hopefully you'll invite me back because this is this is amazing uh, and I'd love I'd love to be uh, a part of it in the future so some really good stuff going on here and I think it'll be uh, very helpful for a lot of people and I know it already is so congratulations on that I'm super into this right now so TV show Westworld it's it's all the things right now for me you know uh, hashtag um, hashtag new Game of Thrones hashtag <laughs> new Game of Thrones but Westworld, all the things. I love it uh, and, and certainly uh, look forward to it every week. So that, that's awesome. Uh, and the last one is it's kind of this productivity. So I'm, I'm a bit of a, 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 a tab hoarder. So if you look at my machine right now, if I was open, you'd look at it, you'd see literally probably four to five windows, each with about 30 to 40 tabs open. It's ridiculous. Now, Chrome Chrome doesn't handle this well. It, it, it's a suck. You know, it's, it's bad. But but I found I found this, this amazing little uh, Chrome extension uh, called Toby, which which there are others who have tried to do this, but Toby T O B Y, I think it is. Uh, I think it's done this a, in a really well, uh, elegant way. Uh, but they allow you to sort of organize your tabs uh, in in a way that that is that is very good for me. It gives me this kind of visual workflow. Uh, since I spend a lot of time in, in doing a lot of things in in the browser, uh, this is this has been like a game changer for me in a lot of ways. So if you haven't checked it out, it's this little Chrome extension called Toby. Uh, T-O-B-Y, I believe, and it's uh, it's super helpful, especially if you're a, a, a tab hoarder like me. Uh, but there was a really actually, actually excellent article, that, uh, a blog post that came out today from Trello about the 10 myths around remote working. I think it's very relevant to a lot of things we've talked about today. Um, so if you read that, it's very well formed. It's, it's, it's got a lot of great information, I think really accurate. So take a look at that. If you're curious about it, if you're thinking about some of these challenges and some of the myths that you you, you may be thinking of, uh, are, are the downside or the upside, you know, um, it's really well done. Uh, it's on Trello's, uh, they just, I think they wrote the blog today. Sarah, what do you have? So my first pick is actually something different. Um, I kind of, I have weird fantasies about dropping everything and go living remote for a year or two. Like, that is my weird dream. But there was this Indie Hackers article, and Indie Hackers is, um, I don't know if it's been a pick before, but it's a group of, like, how startups um, got started, how they got funding, how they grew, um, what their revenue is, and where they came from that. And there's this one called Nomad List, which is specifically for digital nomads, people who travel and work remotely. And it's a list of all these cities and all of these attributes that 
kind of can, um, you can filter and like if it's like a, a safe city, like a, um, a city with less smog, is it female friendly and price range of living there. It's, um, it's really, really, really awesome. And it talks about how this uh, nomad list grew from just a spreadsheet that somebody had and there was demand for it. So he made it into a real site and now they have job listings, remote jobs. So that's also a good place to look. Uh, the second one is actually a company I used to work for, LookThink. Um, they're a super awesome agency in D.C. They do a lot of cool design and development work. Um, they published an article about working with their remote devs and how they deal with it and what their best practices are. So super cool article. They just redid their site, and it's really awesome. So take a look at it. All right. So for my two picks, I have they're kind of both somewhat security related, but there's this Mac extension called Oversight. It's a replacement for anyone who tapes their webcam. And, you know, like, I don't like they've even I've seen articles of even like quoting that Mark Zuckerberg does this is like people are scared that their webcam is going to turn on. Well, there's a little Mac extension called Oversight and it's constantly running in the background and checking for anything unusual and it will flag if someone's trying to access your webcam or your microphone. So and it will shut it down and it allows you to like stop that from if happening. You don't, if you don't think it's important, watch the third episode of Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. Thank there you. There you go. I was going to go there. On Netflix. On Netflix. <laughs> on Netflix original, right? Yeah, I was going to go there. Thanks. And then my second pick is the book. It's actually called How to Open Law with an improvised tools it's actually like it shows you how to break into things open doorknobs deadbolts locks cars whatever it is but if you think of it it's almost a way to protect yourself is like looking how easy you're vulnerable for certain things in your house or your car and you can kind of think about those things and maybe prevent them from happening so it's, it's a very small book actually an engineer at netflix had shown me it and yeah i started reading it. it's a it's a good book it's on amazon i will definitely put a link to it all right so thank you both darren and sarah for joining us uh, on today's episode it was great having you as guests where can people get in touch with you darren uh well so you can find uh work from work from.co uh at work from uh on all the things and uh you can find me personally uh darren at work from.co uh i try to respond to everything it's super important that i do hear from you uh, also at darren buckner uh on twitter and instagram great Sarah, where can people get in touch with you? Well, you can, of course, find me on LinkedIn. I am Sarah Showers. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah L. Showers. Right on. Uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to rate us on iTunes and Google Play and subscribe to the Front End Happy Hour podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on, at Twitter at Front End HH. Thank you all for listening. Anyone have any last words? I love you all.